Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 61. And before we get into today's episode, let me just tell you about our website, camerashakepodcast.com. If you get a minute, head over there and hit the join the community button. That way you can join our community, obviously. And I promise we won't bombard you with weekly newsletters, but we will be able to tell you when new things happen. So uh, hit that up, sign up. If you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, head over to YouTube where you can see us um, in full Technicolor and do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, all of the good stuff that YouTubers usually tell you to do. Um, that'd be great. Now, if you are, however, on you know, Apple iTunes or something like that and listen to the audio version, uh, you could just um, give us a little review, hit the little uh, star thingy thing, and uh, that would help us being found more easily. Now, that being said, let's get straight into it. This is Camera Shake Podcast, episode 61. And today we have another special guest. It's none other than New York City-based portrait and commercial photographer, educator, the face of Adorama TV, t-shirt collector, self-proclaimed lighting guru, and the only photographer I know that has his own Muppet. Please give it up <laughs> to none other than Mr. Daniel Norton himself. Daniel, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It, it is true. I think I'm the only photographer that has. <laughs> but I get asked all the time where, where, where it came from. Yeah, and, man. And uh, it's a secret. No. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no. Don't do that. <laughs> no, actually, there was this guy. Um, uh, oh God, if I can remember his name now. But his company is called Fuzzhead Puppets. Right. And uh, one of the guys that was working with me in Adorama was like, oh, we should do a video where, where, we, where we're all, you know, uh, Muppet characters. And I, I just, so I reached out and I said, you know, what would this cost? It? And we had one made. Unfortunately, it, was, it, it wasn't inexpensive. So the budget only, I mean, everybody thinks I'm just a prima donna, so I only wanted me. But <laughs> I mean, uh, the plan was to get uh, also Dave, who was also in the videos a lot back then, yeah. uh, as, a, as a puppet as well. But we never had a chance to do that because of budget constraints. But uh, it's really fun, and I, you know, it's fun to break it out and and use once in a while. Yeah. Oh, do, you, do you actually amazing. do you have the, do you have the Muppet? Oh yeah, I have it. Oh, it's. I mean, <laughs> you want to see it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell man. me, it's right by your side. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. It's really funny to do it because I'm like, all right, here we go, here we go, and I start talking, and Fernando's like, okay, so. <laughs> I'm talking, you know, it's like, I can't even do it as well as he does it. And then the hands can move around and stuff. Wicked. Yeah. Does he have legs? And no, you can get legs for him, but I didn't get legs with this guy. So that's why he's always, it's so funny when we try to use him because you're like, use it, you do it stuff and you're like, oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be careful. So he's just a, he's a half. But you can just get legs, like you can just buy them. You don't need them custom made. They're just like a thing that go on the bottom. They just kind of flip to the front. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you just need to match the, the skin color, I guess. But yeah, he did a great job with it. I, I didn't, uh, I don't know where they are else I'd dig them up my computer, but the original drawings, I I, uh, I have them somewhere. They're, they're so funny. Mm. He's like, I guess the eyebrows were different and the nose was different in each one. Like he had, did, did a few different noses. So, right. Was this like yeah. a complicated process um, to have that Muppet made or, or was it just a matter of like sending them a photo or something? It was really kind of interesting. He asked for several photos, which I sent. And then he asked, he's like, well, how do you normally, you know, do you shave every day? Do you do this? Because you want to figure out how to do it. And then uh, he just, he drew, he did a bunch of drawings. And mostly the changes were the eyebrows. 
He was right. like, all right, well, this one, your eyebrows are like this. this is and uh, once I picked one that I liked, he started making it and just sent me the process as we went. Uh, he did the, it actually has my tattoo. I don't think it's a tattoo here. Yeah, he, has he threw it. it on there on the arm. It's, it's pretty, pretty well done. I mean, the, the, he did not, uh, he wasn't skimping and messing around. He's a really good guy. I'm amazed at the, 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 the yeah. sticking point with the eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that was the thing. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what would my eyebrows be like for a, a Muppet? <laughs> Come on, describe it. I don't know. I wonder whether it would be the eyebrows that would be the sticking point with you. Right, you never know what's going to be that thing, right? Yeah, but yeah. The eyebrows. That was the thing. But as I think, you know, that is like I think you've reached the pinnacle of fame once you've had your own Muppet mate. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to to do to hit all media forms because at one point out around my head, it was very short lived. They had actually like a comic strip too that I was I was in. That was really fun too. So I've been a comic as well, <laughs> but they, that didn't live very long. It was only maybe like four or five of them, but they were they were fun. Yeah, yeah. Because you've been like awesome. you've been doing the Adorama thing for a long time. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We oosh, probably oh, I would say close to ten years, probably eight, eight years, eight or nine years. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't want to do it, um, which is the funniest thing. I tell people that a lot. You know, you don't ever know what's going to happen in life. I was actually I was working there. They brought me in. They wanted a pro photographer. They were like, we need a uh, somebody that can be there when pros come in to talk to them. You know, that was their idea. They're like, we don't want, you know, we have salesmen, whatever, but we, they can sell stuff. We want somebody when a pro comes in to be like, Hey, I have this project. Like what, I don't know what to do. Or what, what do you think? So that was my job. I was like an advisor. And, uh, Annie, who was there, Annie Cahill, uh, she was like, Oh, you know, I, I love to, to just watch you explain how the lighting is. We should videotape you doing it. And I was like, ah, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm on the other side of the camera and uh, she convinced me to do it. And, you know, one thing led to another and here I am. And this is pretty much what I do. So I enjoy it, you know, Yeah. but it was a weird, I mean, I would have never thought that if you asked me 10 years ago, oh, you're going to be doing YouTube videos. It's kind of, I would have never thought that. Yeah. And it kind of, it sort of expanded as well, uh, quite dramatically, I think, because, because originally it was, I guess it was only you, right? In the very beginning. Well, right. So, so Mark Wallace actually started at Arama TV. Uh, he was the first guy, uh, and he was the main guy. And then they brought brought in different hosts, mm -hmm. but they were kind of scattered, uh, uh, which they still are. I think that's one of the strengths of the channel is that they've got a lot of hosts all over the world. Um, but when they needed something done quickly, they brought me in to do all the local stuff. So I became like whenever they needed something. So I was doing, uh, you know, a camera review or this new thing or something going on. And, and that became kind of like, you said, like a face, like I was there all the time. Uh, and that's kind of it. Yeah. It, the channel is huge now. I mean, it, I think when I first started on there, I was like, there's like 300,000 and now they're over a million. So yeah. It's, yeah. Yes. We, we had, we had Mark on the show um, a few months yeah. ago mm. as well, which was, yeah. which is hilarious. Cause he was like, I don't, I don't remember. Was he in Bolivia or something or? Oh, Where, wherever he was, Where at, the was time. He at the time, yeah. could be was anywhere. Like a motorcycle while he was talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, much, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah it was mid mid yeah. shift, wasn't he at the time? Well, he was um, he was pretty much stuck because mm. because of course because of COVID, it's you know, right. and everything yeah, else. Yeah. Really, you couldn't travel. So that was that was hilarious. It's in what he considers yeah, his uh, hometown, right? At the minute, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Mark's pretty awesome. Whenever he comes to New York, we hang out. He's a great guy. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on. Um, I think he he was having to leave, and he was like practically back on on his way to the United States. Um, yeah, because uh, because his visa has been cut short or whatever it was. Right. Yeah, I remember he said he's like, well, I can't leave, but at some point I have to leave because the visa is going to end or whatever. So for a while he was stuck in a in a hotel, which was 
I mean, I've been very lucky. I, I don't, even though I work out of Manhattan, I live like north of the, of the city in kind of like a, a small town. So like I have a backyard and things. So, yeah, you know, well, during the lockdown, I could walk outside and do things, but uh, Mark was yeah. basically trapped. So Cause I was going to oh, ask man. you how, how that whole thing unfolded for you. Cause I know your, your studio's in like the middle of Manhattan pretty much. Yeah. I, I so I had gone to WPPI, which is the uh, convention here in in, uh, in the States and in, in Las Vegas, and like right before it. And uh, what, the lockdown happened like a week later, and, and I was, uh, I just had at my house like a few speed lights and basic stuff. But luckily, I shoot the videos ahead of time. So I, I had a little bit of time. And you know, at first, you know, who knew how long it was going to last, right? And we were like, well, we'll probably have enough content. But then it started uh, moving forward, and I, I had to stop doing the live streams. And I did a few from my house. Uh, which is the basic equipment I had. And uh, I actually ended up making some videos, writing shots and some portraits. Uh, you know, you gotta stay busy. So, uh, but what I mostly did during the lockdown was I, on my channel, I just, well, I was like almost almost vlogging because I was doing short videos like every day just to kind of keep myself sane and just kind of communicate with people out there, you know? So, um, which is good because, you know, when you're kind of off by yourself, sometimes it can be hard. Uh, even though I had the woods and the things I could take walks, it was like, you still alone you know in the sense so uh, it was good to like have the community to, to kind of bounce off yeah we were in a similar situation in the sense that you know over here in the uk everything just locked down completely you know we were like under like full-on national lockdown for a while um and you know th that's really the uh i mean the origins of this of this podcast go back to us being locked locked up in our houses really and not being able to do anything and having you know everything cancelled and so we just figured you know we had to do something so that's that's how we came up with the idea of doing a you know doing a podcast for exactly yeah. the same reason, I guess. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, you know, I think that I mean it's not great that it was locked down, but you know, it, 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 I think it gave people that even though it was a shock, it gave people that situation where well, I can't do much else if there's a, if there's a, a thing I wanted to pursue, whether it be you know something professionally or a hobby. Now I have a time, so let me just do it. So hopefully, people made good use of the time. Yeah. Uh, I tried, but of course. I also watched a lot of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not easy though, is it, to just to say, right, I'm gonna learn this, I'm going to be creative doing this, mm. I'm gonna it it takes even if you are at home and you've got the time, it's so easy to slip into that trap of, like you say, just sitting on YouTube, sitting on yeah. Netflix or Disney. Disney Plus, man. Disney Plus. <laughs> there you go. That's the one. That's the uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's so easy to fall into that trap and it still takes a bit of discipline. To oh, yeah, go, sure. you know what? I'm going to get up. Mm. I'm going to learn this today. And come six o'clock or five o'clock, whatever, I'm going to be done learning that thing. It takes discipline. It really, really does. Mm. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I can easily just sit back and, you know, suddenly it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midday, <laughs> 1 p.m. And I can, on occasion, still not have moved. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult when you have kids, I guess, you know, because when, you know, when lockdown hit here, of course, we were all locked down. I have three kids, you know, and uh, we're all stuck in the house. And the, the thing is, you know, at first, of course, you know, you do things like you try and kind of organize your family life somehow, you know, because you got to like, and then you come up with like ways of keeping everybody entertained, like, I don't know, like board games or whatever, you know, but if it, it very quickly gets to the point where you know you, you realize you have to do something like for your own sanity you know because there's family life on one hand but it's also like you get to keep your yourself sane somehow 
and you got to do something creative. I mean, for, you know, like for us, it was the idea of coming up with a podcast and just doing, you know, challenging. I mean, we, we challenge each other. We just like photo challenges um, and then video oh, challenges, yeah. like just some kind of creative challenge, like almost every week in the beginning where we just went like, right, okay, you know, uh, let's come up with some kind of topic and then we create a photo each and then mm -hmm. we talk about it and we talk about the, the process and whatnot, you know, that's made, really good, yeah. you know, something like that. And, and the video challenge we did. Um, so then, you know, eventually it went to like, okay, well that, you know, that's how we started on the podcast when it was only us. And then when we started having guests on the show, it was like, okay, how about we involve the guests in the challenge? And, we, you know, we would come up with like little challenges <laughs> and uh, we might talk. Talk to you about later, later about some kind of challenge, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting as you said too, because uh, so I'm a, I'm a people photographer. Like I photograph people primarily. I can obviously photograph product, and I have, um, but it's not like it's not the same thing, you know. Sometimes people are like, well, you have all the time, just like take pictures. But it's like I take pictures of people, and I couldn't interact yeah. with people, so it really was a a bit of a, a oh, I have to go sideways. Um, for me, so that's why I went the other route. I, I fell heavily into the uh, the YouTube and just like talking and communicating because I felt like that was better for me than than photographing a still life, let's say. Which, yeah. uh, but if you're learning, I mean, uh, like I said, uh, it's a good opportunity. But sure, it definitely takes discipline to do anything. And and there's a lot of things I started to learn, like OBS. <laughs> I never got all the way through. <laughs> I think it's good enough. <laughs> yeah. OBS, the most unintuitive program I think I've ever come oh, across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah, I think I read in the the latest update that now you can do uh, Command Z to undo because you know you can you can undo in OBS before. It's, yeah, it's like crazy, right? It's like you move something. <laughs> OBS is a pain. It looks like something that came off of yeah whatever came because before Windows ninety five. That's kind of what the interface looks like, yeah. at least on Mac yeah. these days. And it's like, yeah. okay, great. So how do we make this slightly easier? Just It just needs another interface. And it'd be great. OBS yeah, is does, great. Yeah. Otherwise, it's stable. It does what it does. Yeah. You know, it's very, very good. So oh, yeah, what, I mean, um, the price is right. The price is definitely <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So what's that? So I, I, over lockdown, there, over the last sort of 18 months, how what, what have you done photography-wise? Um, obviously, you fell very much into the, the the video YouTube world, but what did you end up being able to do from a photography standpoint? That's a good question. I, I you know, honestly, I didn't do much. I, I, I did, um, I kind of put my cameras away, which I do sometimes. I think that's actually healthy. I used to not mm -hmm. do that. When I was uh, younger, I would, I mean, every day I would shoot things. And, and I think that's part of it, right? That's the drive when you're, when you're trying to break into something or whatever, but it, it was good for me to just not shoot. You know, the, the cameras became video cameras. I, I, I bought a, a, a GoPro and mm -hmm. tried to mess around with some, there's some rivers here where I tried to mess around with some underwater stuff. It, <laughs> it didn't work out so well, but it was cool <laughs> to mess around with it. Uh, you know, nothing that like, uh, that, I tried not to do anything that I cared to show anybody. I was just kind of experimenting and pushing yeah. what I could do. Yeah. It's important to take time to do that, to experiment with different things. Yeah. It doesn't mean it has to go to, it doesn't always have to be a finished product or, you know, something that goes That's out it. to the and public. I, and I think people fall into that trap, including me, when you do this as, for a living, like everything you do needs to be for something, right? It's like, well, I'm going to do 
like the other day I was having this conversation is that, you know, every time I go to shoot with somebody, I'm making a video about it because that's what I do. But sometimes it's nice just to do a photo shoot. And uh, so I'm trying to do more of that now that I'm, you know, and it, it took me this break from it to realize that I sometimes I like to just go out and shoot something and not worry about if there's a video. Of course, inevitably, I put the picture up somewhere and everybody's like, where's the video? <laughs> there's no video on that one. Sorry. But you know what? You got to do it for yourself sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. How how do you find shooting videos and still taking that that portrait, for example, at the same time? Do you do you have an assistant when you yeah. you typically do those shoots? <laughs> yeah, uh, an assistant or a system? Uh, 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 both, uh, both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, during COVID, no, <laughs> right? That was then when I first went back to it. I was uh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I asked people that, that I knew pretty well, that I trusted, you know, they got tested right before, you know, I wore a mask. There was no, I was there by myself, except for them. We stayed distance, you know, they had to take it off, obviously, for the photo. So that was a lot trickier. Um, but I have a pretty cool system of shooting uh, where I don't, I, I, I don't need somebody to help me, but it, boy, it's really nice to have somebody. I have a, like a multicam system called Sling Studio, and it actually allows for, uh, like HDMI, there's like HDMI transmitters that go into a single unit. And not only does it allow you to switch like OBS, for instance, but it records all the channels. So I'll put cameras where they need to be. And then I will just leave it on the main camera while I'm shooting. And then when I come back to edit, I have all the other footage I've cut it later. So it's like shooting with a bunch of cameras separately, but it, it mixes them all together so that when I go to edit it, it's much easier, it's faster. So... Yeah, I can do it myself, but it is nice. I usually have Dave help me um, when possible. He is not only an amazing filmmaker, he's also great as a photo assistant. So, you know, when he's not filming me, he's helping me set things up or, you know, I'm bouncing ideas. Like, I'm like, I want to do this video on this kind of light or whatever, you know. Because the thing is, is that no matter what people want to produce, well, I, I can't speak for everybody. Yes, I will. I will speak for everybody. <laughs> you know, you know, you look at somebody who's teaching something as if like they know everything, but the reality is, is that we're still always learning. Like no matter what, like you can understand light and you can understand how things work and I can tell you the science of it, but you still kind of are playing around with ideas. So having somebody else there to kind of be like, Hey, why don't you try this? Or, or, oh, what, what about this is so great. You know, I think getting feedback from people is really important. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people are very defensive, especially when they're first kind of breaking into that professional level. Like they've been learning, whatever. And then they get to that first level where they're getting paid or they're kind of getting respect. And then they don't want to hear anything from anybody. It's like, no, I know this. But the reality is that there's a lot of times that somebody will say something to me and I'll just be like, oh yeah, you're right. That's exactly how we should do it. And it's better than what I was thinking. And you have to be able to put that aside. The The shoot is the most important thing, not your ego. So I love having somebody there that I can kind of bounce ideas off. Um, and so yeah, I, I would much rather have an assistant. And I basically have somebody who does both, the assistant and he shoots. So Dave's great. Yay, Dave. <laughs> uh, yay today, definitely. It's funny, we, we were on a podcast ourselves um, a little earlier today and we just got done saying almost exactly the same thing because we do a lot of work together um you know just outside of the podcast and it makes all the difference to have a to have someone to bounce ideas off yeah, and you know because i primarily do do video we're going to a video shoot and care go oh what what about that oh what about this angle what we, or this lighting or, or whatever it might be or this d direction to these these guys and so i got a chair absolutely mm. 
That's great because it's all about getting the right thing. And same when we get into fo- the, the photo world. Yeah, I think what it really of, helps. I mean, one of the things for us, you know, when we first started, move, uh, when we first started working together, um, was that, you know, my my, my background really uh, professionally, if you want, is stills photography, and um, and Nick's background is videography. And so I think when we first started working together, um, you know, Nick was very much concerned with like, you know, camera movements and angles and stuff like that. And I, my focus has always been on lighting, you know? So the important thing for me has always been like how something's lit, you know, how soft or how hard the light is and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and when we first started working together, it's, you know, there was almost like our sort of predetermined roles was like, you know, Nick was like thinking about how the camera moved, and I was thinking about how how something was was being lit. And I think as we've worked together over the last couple two years or something or three years maybe, um, we've both learned from each other. So we're now starting to think more like 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 one almost like you know. So it's like you know, there's a sci-fi film in that, isn't there? <laughs> And I think it's really interesting too the idea of uh, somebody who is primarily a filmmaker and somebody who is primarily a still photographer working together. Uh, you know, as I say, Dave is, is a uh, a filmmaker primarily. So, uh, and Sal, who originally shot uh, all the on set stuff when we first started doing it, and Fernando, who does the puppets, like all these guys, I learned so much from them because I, you know, I, I had always shot stills. I've been on film sets, but seeing how a filmmaker thinks about light movement angles uh the the idea of te- storytelling through like you know wide narrow close like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. it, it's such an interesting thing um when you're when you're working to see the difference you know and how they can work together and and yeah. create kind of an overall like a project right so what's, yeah. what's also interesting i think for both of us it's like my, my wife's um she she's uh her background is in script writing and so what's what's really interesting like with her is that you know, we'd be watching the same movie and I'd be really <laughs> fixated on the lighting or, you know, the camera moves and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, the color grading, this is great. And then she'd be like, yeah, but the story is really shit or the, the dialogue's terrible or, you know, um, or the acting is but, really wooden. But look at the teal in the shadows. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yes. But, you know, it's, so, it's, it's really interesting to, to have these different angles and to look at something, you know, at the same scene. You can look at the same scene with these different eyes and, you know, discover something, something different, um, every time. And that's been, that's been really good. I mean, you know, we've done, I mean, Nick, Nick and me work on a lot of stills projects together, like photography projects and video projects. And so, um, you know, we, depending on what it is, you know, one of us would take the lead and the other one would, I mean, in the broadest terms, become the assistant, but really it's a matter of, um, you know, feedbacking on each on each yeah. other's experience you know on in sure. w- you know with a single goal of making it the best of of creating the best possible outcome you know and that's that's yeah. been really that's been really quite quite useful actually well, it's funny you say that because i think that a lot of people um and this is not new because it's from when i started to they they're they're like you even hesitated to say it's just like almost going to be an insult, but the reality is that's the best way to do it. When I was first starting, everybody, we would work, we would be assistants for big photographers. And then when we did our own shoots, we'd hire each other to help because Mm -hmm. having somebody at your level helping you or assisting you is not, it's not like they're, I mean, maybe they are sweeping the floors, but it's who cares, right? There's nothing wrong with sweeping the floor. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
having somebody there to help you is is not a bad thing. Uh, and it certainly isn't, you know, when people are like, oh, well, they're, they're your assistants. Like, yeah, and that's that's a huge thing. And assistant is such an important part of the uh, of the, the, the a role to have on the set. You know, they're, they're super important because people, especially people who only see it from the filmmaking side, don't realize that like a photo assistant does everything, right? Like if you're if you're on a film set, like you've got uh, you know gaffers, and you have then you have to get the gaffer, then you got your electrics, then you got your your you know grips, and you know, all these people. A photo assistant does all of that, you know. So they're more than just somebody carrying your stuff. They're they're actually a, a skilled uh, participant in the shoot. They're part of it. And what you said is super important because the day I stopped assisting, and and I, I said I might have said this before in, in a video, but I don't know, but is that is the day I realized that. I didn't care anymore about the stuff I was working on. Like I met many photo assistants that just did it for the money. And for me, a good assistant cares about that shoot as much as if it was their own shoot. Like if you're an assistant, you should, it should be just as important to you that the, as the photographer, like it's your shoot too. And if you're just there carrying the gear and you don't really care about it, you're, you shouldn't be an assistant. Like that's not that job. Yeah. I, I liken it to just because the, um, the football, uh, uh soccer European championships are on, over here right now, right? And isn't that all year? Yeah. Well, and actually, you know, we haven't. I still haven't worked out where, where they actually take place. All over Europe this yeah, year. Let's, so. let's not get into that. It's mental. It makes no sense what they've done. <laughs> They're trying to be all all European inclusive with with this. I'm not getting into it. It's no point. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. It, it from a footballing perspective, it's crazy. Because they're all exhausted. They're all flying around all the time. But isn't it also crazy from like a COVID perspective? Was well, this is that aside. That aside. <laughs> what I was going to say was, is that for for football, what they have done have done for years now is you've got your referee and you've got what used to be called linesmen, right? Who go up and down. What are they called now? Well, they go. They, the point of them really is to be a second pair of eyes to look for offsides and fouls yeah. and things like that. And then they have a fourth official who does all the like stoppage time and that kind of stuff. And there's more now, but it doesn't really matter. Anyway, they're not called that anymore because they're all called assistant referees, not called linesmen. And the reason they're called assistant referees is because actually they're all made up of actual referees. They're all referees. Hmm. They're all the same. They, all, they would all, they all interchange and they all swap around and right. they all do all that, not during a match, but over the course that. of a season and whatnot. They're all just as qualified to do all of those roles but they're just there there to to assist in that particular match they're just as important if they weren't there the match would be a nightmare it would not work anyway see football analogies mean nothing to me because i know nothing about football whatsoever yeah, i just <laughs> nod my head to talk about it oh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> you just see Daniel going yeah, like soccer. I have no idea. Soccer? Yeah, what sure, is soccer? Sure. <laughs> yeah, kick the ball around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have two two good friends that are constantly talking about it, and they're always and I'm just like, oh, okay, good. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's the, the finals <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever. It's like the finals again. Oh. Like, did you just have those? But what, what? I guess it's huge, right? It's worldwide, so there are all these things going on. Are you shooting Nikon at the moment? Or? Yeah, I, I, I have Nikon now. Well, you know, it's funny when I was, uh, like, because I was on staff at Adorama for a long time. In the last three years, I've now been a freelancer. Uh, they were like, <laughs> I was always, I had to be brand agnostic, I used to say, because you can't really, you know, they're a camera store, right? So you, you can't 
favor one over another. So I had, I actually had in my arsenal, like everything. I had a Nikon, I had a Canon, I had a Sony. I had, uh, I didn't, well, I didn't have everything. I didn't have an Olympus. Um, I had a, a medium format camera, Mamiya, and I had the Pentax medium format, I think too, at one point, and was able to Fuji. So I had all these cameras. <laughs> Of course, then when I had to buy my own cameras, not so much. Uh, so I was using Canon for a long time. But uh, when they came up with the Z6, I thought I would try it as like a small camera to have. And it's been really good. And this, now I'm using the Z6 II. That's what I use here. And uh, I keep it at my house. I can film myself. And then if I want to take pictures, I have it. So it's good. It's probably overkill for a webcam, but, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> How are you finding the Z6 II? You like enjoying it? it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not really a gear person. I mean, that, you know, that would no. seems weird maybe, but, you know, cameras and, <laughs> and camera manufacturers don't like when I say that, but I, you know, they're all good. I, I haven't, I like different cameras for different things. I like the Nikon. It's light, it's fast, it's not that many megapixels. So it's good for me because I don't do projects where I need a lot of megapixels. So I don't want to deal with huge files. Um, does video nicely, charges off USB, which is nice. So it runs off USB. You know, I've been toying with the with the idea of sort of upgrading um, to to mirrorless at some point, but um, you know, I'm currently sh- I'm shooting a D750, and I've been shooting that thing for years, and it's been good. You know, it's it's been indestructible. It's been great on every project I've shot. There's no actual real reason to upgrade, other than the fact that you know we, we may you know we may be coming to the end of the shutter life. If you know what I mean, so. Right. You know, potentially, but uh, other than that, it's working fine. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, it's because I'm maybe because I'm German, I'm stingy. Huh. I'm, I'm Southern German. Well, We're supposed to be stingy. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny you say that because I, um, I mean, of course, now in the last couple of years, I bought two cameras, but up to that point, I hadn't really actually owned too many cameras except for what I needed to. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I thought the same thing. It's like all these new cameras would come out, and I'd be like, well, I don't need that. Or, or if it's yeah. a feature I need, once in a while, I would just rent it, you know? So for me, I, I didn't have not owned that many digital cameras, even though I got my first one in 99, 2000, something like that. And uh, yeah, I haven't, I mean, I've maybe owned five cameras the whole time. So, <laughs> you know, I don't see the point in upgrading all the time, to be honest. Absolutely. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah, totally there's, agree. There's really no need. I mean, you know, it, although having said that, it's been... Like Nick's recently upgraded from uh, Panasonic to Canon. And that's, I mean, it has actually made our lives considerably easier on some of the projects mm. I've been shooting. Uh, so from a, you know, it's not that it would have been impossible to shoot, to shoot those things. No, no, it was, but, it was kind of future-proof into a, to a certain yeah. extent. And, um, you know, I didn't have, um, you know, uh, 120 with, it. it there's a few a handful of little things that was just started to get on, get on my nerves that I wanted to be able to do on m- the majority of shoots to have the ability to, and I wasn't able to, and that it started to become a roadblock for me. Started to become a bit of an issue. Then that was the point where I went, okay, maybe it's time to start considering um, a shift, an upgrade, or some kind. And then I thought, okay, well, because I was shooting um, uh, Nikon stills at that point as well and I thought okay well can I just shift into one world and share lenses across all of that and doing that right so I ended up with and don't get me wrong this was a super expensive change but it's going to see me through for the longest time so I ended up with the R6 primarily for stills 
Um, but with fantastic video capability, and it really is yeah, good. Um, and a C70 yeah, and, uh, to... oh, for, okay. for yeah, video yeah. primarily. Yeah, I think that, uh, right, that's that's the time that you upgrade, right? There is a time, I'm not saying you should ever buy a new camera, obviously, but if you need something, you know, like when this came out, like I had the Z6 uh, one and I really liked it, and then this came out and it has the USB power, and it, like I wanted that one feature, but I wasn't going to buy a new camera for that. But it just turned out I needed another camera because I do bought the cam. So I was like, well, because what I was doing to that point was I was actually using a Sony and an Nikon, and then I'd have to like color grade them together. So it was a pain in the butt. So I'm like, you know what? I'll invest in two Nikons so that I can be easy. <laughs> yeah, so that's why. So now the Sony sits in the bag collecting dust until I need it. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye, Sony. Yeah. Bye bye. All your green colors go away. So I've really, I've really enjoyed the uh, the videos that you started doing like throughout the whole um, lockdown period because you did a whole bunch of like porch videos, I call them, like where you were just you know yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. I think you were sitting on your porch probably just uh, you know talking about uh, certain subjects. They, they were really, I thought they were really interesting um, because they were a little bit removed from the the technical side of things. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more to photography than the technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I think when you're trying to learn something, the first thing you do is you go for that thing. Like, how do I do this? Where, where do I put the light? What's the aperture? You know, how do these things work together? But the real meat of it is the rest, especially in the photography of people, because there's so much, uh, you know, I always say, if you're, if you're, if you photograph people, you need to be a people person. If, you know, because you need to interact with people. Like, just, if you photograph them like they're mannequins, it won't be, at least in my opinion, the same. So uh, I I felt like it was an opportunity for me to talk more about that stuff where, you know, Adorama being, uh, obviously it's a store, right? And people go there for more like a, I don't want to say formal, but kind of a strict kind of regular photo education. I didn't think videos like that fit there so much, although they have asked me to do some, so maybe I'll do something like that on Adorama eventually. Um, but I thought that was just a way I could communicate, you know, some of the other stuff that I think is important. Um, as a photographer and just as a person, really, I think that uh, you are, right? Photography is like an art in a sense. So in a sense, you know, you you need to express yourself and that's part of it, right? That's why we do it, a lot of us. I mean, some people, I know people who do it just for the money, but I think a lot of people, especially people that are watching videos on wanting to grow in photography are doing it because they love it and they, they have a passion for it. They do it even if it wasn't for a job. So there's that part of it. And I want to talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was, there were some really interesting topics that you covered um, that you don't really see that many people cover. Like, for instance, I remember like, you know, things like, um, um, you know, like how to book models and whether to pay them or not, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because those are, those are like actually real, real life questions that you ask yourself, especially when you're first starting out and you have no experience with like working with models, for example. And kind of go, well, you know, I see all these people on YouTube you know, shooting all these models and I don't know any models and how do I do that? You know, do I pay them? Is and it expensive? You then, know, then, they're not the easiest questions to go and find answers to. No, exactly. That's what I mean. You and know? that's, you know, that was uh, like, or you did like a video on like, you know, the basic things you need in order to set yourself up as a professional photographer or something like that. And those are like really actually what we call meat and potato type of, type of questions. And you don't really get, you know, uh, get to see the, or get to listen to the answers to that. So I thought that was really quite, that was really good. Um, so you, are you planning on doing that, continuing that sort of uh, type of video? Yeah. 
I, I am. I, I uh, lately, done the last few months, I've been doing videos. I moved to Wolf. At first, I was going to do two videos a week, but I've just been really busy with other things. So uh, on Friday, I started doing those have been pretty well received. Uh, so every Friday, I kind of just talk about a topic briefly. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to collect interest, right? So if I, let's say I talk about something, I think last week I talked about outsourcing and retouching. If, if I get a lot of comments and people are asking me more about it, I'll do a more in-depth kind of porch talk on that because sometimes I don't know what people want to know. I, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing the videos for people, for people uh, to learn and for what they, they want to see, I guess, right? So I'm trying to figure out what it is because you don't always know that, right? You don't always know what your audience wants because you can be like, oh, this is great. And then nobody watches the video uh, or you can be like, oh, I'm just going to talk about this random thing today. And that's the best video you did in you know six months. It's like, how'd that happen? So this, I'm hoping to use this as a gauge. Um, so I have that going on on Friday. So uh, Fridays, I, every Friday I do a quick talk. Uh, and then I was doing a series of videos where I'm teaching photography to Marissa Roper, who is a, a common subject that I, I have a lot. She's an actress. And she wanted to learn photography and asked me to teach her. And I said, well, sure, if we can make videos about it, because that's the life, right? So uh, we've been doing that. But then we had technical difficulties in the last one, and she's been working a lot. So we haven't had uh, had a chance to put those out. But that that's going to continue as well. People like that. It's kind of fun. Um, one thing I really want to capture in, in my stuff is to really have it be more slice of life. You know, I don't like to, like, heavily edit things, and uh, which... You know, no offense to the filmmakers, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> slow motion and the camera's moving around and me looking like a badass. The reality is, is that I'm not a badass. <laughs> so no matter how much I walk in slow motion, it's not going to happen. So, you know, I, I, I really just want to like it look like because I think people are intimidated sometimes when they see that. You know, it's like the yeah. music's like boom, 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 boom. And the photographer's like boom, boom, coming in. The, and then, you know, the makeup artist is doing this stuff. And then uh, fully retouched pictures pop up on the screen and people are like, I, you know, but the reality is a photo the photo shoot is not really like that. It's either you're killing yourself because it's like a production. It's like, got to get more shots done. Or it's like a chill. You're hanging out with somebody, making a portrait, having a conversation. So I really am trying to capture that vibe as much as possible in my, in my stuff that I put out there. Kind of a different angle, I guess. Yeah. I love the idea of um, the, the the series with, um, it's, it's Marissa, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's such great idea particularly for someone watching it from the outside who's you know perhaps relatively new to photography that they get to see someone else being taught and grow at the same time and go okay i'm not okay i'm i'm not learning slowly i'm not actually that bad after all that gives a great real degree of confidence to someone learning and watching that and seeing the mistakes and seeing yeah. that these results aren't perfect straight away if they are something's probably wrong Oh, you got really lucky. You, mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 it's yeah. a really good thing to see that side of things. Well, and it's funny too, because when we decided to do it uh, the first time, uh, she was like, well, let's just go over everything first so I don't look stupid. You know, she didn't want to look, and nobody wants to look stupid. I'm like, no, no, sure. you're supposed to be learning. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you. And, and in fact, like when she asked questions where she's like, oh, I don't want to ask this question. I'm like, just ask. Like, I get so many comments like, oh, that's, that's the question I would have asked. So I uh, wanted to make it, like I said, not scripted, not, uh, and, uh, you know, I try not to make her look, you know, <laughs> no, I just film it. I mean, she's awesome, you know, so uh, uh, that's how, that's who she is. You know, she's just a fun person who has lots of questions and wants to learn. And I think a lot of people are that, right? A lot of people want to learn and they would love to just be able to ask somebody. So she's their voice. And, and I like that. Yeah. 
Ah, oh, couldn't agree more. Love, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it, man. So good. But we should have some more of that coming. Yeah, yeah. We I had, a, I had an audio screw up where I it didn't record, <laughs> so we have a whole silent video. And then I and then I then but I had luckily recorded it on my Zoom recorder, uh, so I found the audio file thankfully. So now I just have to. But of course, I have no audio on the video, and I have the audio file, so that's going to be fun lining it up. <laughs> oh yeah, You're watching people's oh, yeah. lips move. I'll be like. <laughs> But I'll make it work eventually. But yeah. Oh, and you see, you should put that in the video itself yeah. and explain what happened. Yeah. You know, because that yeah. these are the little mistakes that we all make. Everybody yeah. makes every pro, full-on pro makes every. It happens in Hollywood, I'm sure, all the time. Yeah, for sure. You know, this stuff happens, and when you again, when you're learning, you well, you don't get to see that often, and you start to believe that. These people are just doing it right and perfect every single time. No. I mean, this, this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing always, I think, in, you know, in creative arts and photography or, you know, um, you know, or, or film or whatever, is that people always only see the end product. You know, they see the final portrait or the final headshot, if it's a headshot or whatever. What they don't see is the 600 other photos that you've taken that were total <laughs> trash. Or maybe not even total trash. But the 600 other fo photos that just simply didn't make it because you no, narrowed it down to that one hero shot, you know. Right, which is exactly why I do the, the videos the way I do them. I like when generally when I'm doing a technical video, like I, I'm tethered to capture one and you're seeing exactly what's coming out of the camera. Sometimes, you know, I'll take a shot and be like, oh, oh, I forgot to turn this on and because that's how it is. Like that's how it is when you're shooting and you don't have to feel like. Like one thing I say a lot when I'm especially in live demos and happens, if you're using like TTL, because people are always afraid of that, and you take a shot and it's like complete garbage, you just take another one. I mean, it's, it's like it happens, you know, don't make a big deal out of it. Just keep going, you know. Yeah, yeah. If the only thing that's going to make your client uncomfortable is if you look like you're like, oh, my God. It's like, just take another one, you know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's always the best when you take a headshot and you go, oh, no. <laughs> the worst thing. It's like, oh, God. Is that your face? <laughs> it's like, Right, it's like, what happened here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, it's like you just gotta smile, like, oh, you know, yeah, you know, you, you, oh, I meant to do that, you know. That's, <laughs> that's usually what I say. So, we like some comedy outtakes, that's what we want, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, that's one for Facebook, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think that that helps people too because if they see a lot of times yeah. people are tense, like in a portrait setting. And one thing that I get to another question or comment I get a lot, which is and I, I try to answer this, I'll say it here, that way all the world can hear it. So I just keep saying is that people are always like, why do you use actors or whatever for these things? Like, why don't you use real people? Uh, but you, you have to understand that like being photographed in a video or especially on a live stream is incredibly tense. Yeah. Uh, and somebody who's uncomfortable in front of the camera anyways is definitely not going to ever get comfortable yeah. if they're being videoed as well. Yeah. So like you've got to use people that are, uh, you know, at least comfortable being uh, in front of people. That's the only yeah. way we can do it. And and even those people, uh, like I just mentioned, like Marissa, like uh, of all the time, she's done tons of stuff. She's a great actor. She's just fantastic. She does. She's like, oh, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, even somebody who's that, who is very confident and and very skilled will feel that way. So she is a real person. You know, it's like everybody's a real person. So uh, yeah, for those people that want the real person, I mean. Everybody's real, I guess, right? Definitely, <laughs> yeah. it is harder yeah. to be in front of the camera than it is behind. But this is—I mean, this is the thing that, like, in realistic terms, you know, I get this sometimes uh, when I have somebody book in for headshots, for example. You know, and I'll go like, "Well, like, well, how long is it going to take?" And I'll be like, "Well, you know, you want to put like a couple of hours um, aside because that's how I like to work." And they're like, two hours, but it's like, you know, all I need is a headshot. It's like, yeah, you know, but 
yeah. it's going to take us a while until, you know, you feel comfortable in front of the camera. And that's when we get to the mm. good stuff. You know, if you're after a passport photo, I know somebody <laughs> considerably cheaper <laughs> down the road. Right. And if that's what you want, that's cool. But, um, you know, yeah. I've, that's, that's just uh, one thing that I've realized, you know, over the years is that, you know, people who, the vast, vast, vast majority of people are just not, are not comfortable having a massive lens stuck in their face and being photographed with like artificial lighting and, you know, strobes going off and everything else. It's just such an unnatural environment to be in mm. that in order for you to feel even remotely comfortable with that, it just takes some time and you need to build up some trust between you and the subject. And that just takes time. And that's the only factor in a sense that we, that we can control ultimately is, you know, is the time factor. We can just give it some time. And, um, and that then as an end result will result in a better end result, you know, in, in the end. Right. And, and, and the more you work with somebody, the less time it takes. That That's yes. what happens there, right? Like if you have a regular uh, client base that comes for their, their new headshot every year, they might be able to do it in 20 minutes, you know, the third time because yeah. they know you, you're friendly. Yeah. You know, you get it right away and then you hang out and have coffee. You know, it's like a different experience. Exactly. But sure, it's funny when you said that about the two hours because that's exactly the very, everybody gets that, right? It's like, how long does it take for a headshot? Like, they're thinking you're going to say 10 minutes, and it's like, oh, two hours, whatever. And they're just like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. Because like, they're thinking that whole two hours, they're like, you know, it's like, no, you're not going to be sitting on there the yeah, whole two yeah. hours. We're going to talk. We're going to look at your clothes. We're going to figure this out. We're going to look at the pictures. We're going to kind of figure things out. You know, that I usually, you know, I, I love to sit down with people and look at them in between when I'm doing headshots, especially if they're not experienced because they I, they need to make sure that they can see what they're getting, you know? So I always have them look at it and also just in case, you know, just in case they hate them. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can be yeah. like, well, what is it that you don't like about this, you know? Uh, yeah. Because maybe it's they're used to their cell phone picture and they don't know, you know, what it should look like. And, then, you know. Yeah. I mean, I do this in every, pretty much in every uh, headshot session is that, you know, we, I mean, the first thing, what we're doing is like we sit down, we have a chat, you know, and that basically gives me a chance to just, you know, work them out, figure out like, you know, work out what their face is like and all the and all the rest of it. But also, it's just an opportunity to kind of start to get comfortable with each other a little bit and build up a little bit of a rapport. But then, you know, when we start shooting, we maybe shoot for about ten minutes, and then I get them to come over to the screen, and we'll just have a look at the shots. And I know they're all burners. All these shots are they're not going to be. This is most likely not going to be any keepers in that. But whilst they're looking at the photos and, you know, I go through them, I watch their expression and I watch what they, what, what their um, kind of feedback is. And I work out simple things like which side they prefer. This is a big one. You know, people very often have like one side of their face that they like and one that doesn't, you know, or like just, um, you can learn a lot from just from listening really intently to, to, uh, to what the client's comments are. And then you can basically then direct the shoot after that, because ultimately, especially when it comes to a headshot, you know, one that they might be using for their company website or LinkedIn or whatever it is, you know, um, you really want to make sure you know exactly what they like about themselves and what they don't like. That's really important because it's not about what I think. I'm just advising them, you know, they need to like themselves in the photo in the end. And so, you know, the amount of times I think that, you know, you you know, a typical situation where they go, oh, oh, you know, you just pick the final photo. You know, you're the expert. And I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, because I can guarantee you yeah. the shots that I pick are the ones that you're not going to like. 
Right, <laughs> you know? right. Well, you know, it, it's funny you say that because, you know, I'm just thinking about how I do it. And one thing that I've seen people do is, right, they bring them to the computer and then they sit there and go through them going, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one to the client. But that's exactly not the way to do it. You're explaining no, exactly. is much better. And, and what I often do is I just show them how to do it. Like I say, this is how you move them around. And then I'll even take two steps back. And I let them kind of be alone with the photos. I mean, I'm there, obviously, yeah. watching them, just like you said, seeing their reactions, seeing what they say. But I don't control that part of it. I want them to to, to see the pictures yeah. because I feel like if I'm doing it, they won't they won't uh, challenge, let's say, what I say because I'm the expert, right? So I want them to look at it and be like, oh, this one or that one. you know. So, yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think that those are subtle things that you just learn over time that aren't like something you can easily yeah. – just know until you try it, I guess. And that, again, that comes, that comes down to being, uh, interacting with your subject and being good with people in a sense, right? Because you, you understand that you need to see somebody their space versus, you know, like uh, get on top of them with the... So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I mean, I, I basically let them give them a star rating. Like, you know, with the first run, the first time through, they'll have her on Lightroom and I'll just have one star um, type of rating. Oh, star interesting, kind of, yeah. You know, I'll just uh, filter out the ones that they don't like, basically, and um, you know. So yeah, I let them do that. And well, and then a bit. Of, yeah, you like that one, right? You like that one. Well, I mean, there are occasions. <laughs> okay, so th there are occasions. Of course, there are occasions, of course, where I'm. I look at a shot, and I'm like, I know this is a hero shot. Like, I this is an awesome shot, this particular one. But they may not like it for whatever reason. And so what I say is, okay, listen. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna add this one. I'm gonna retouch this one for free because I know I want this one for my portfolio, and I give it to you for free. I don't care, but we're not gonna throw this one away, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, just you know, on this one, just trust me. And then you know, usually, ninety nine times out of a hundred, um, you know, once I'm done with the retouch and they actually see it, they tend to agree, you know, and that's all cool. They still have all the other shots that. They like, well, on this one, just trust me on this, you know. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I think an important thing to do is, so the way I do it is kind of similar. What I do is I mark everything three stars, and then I have them hit two, so they disappear because I just capture one. Yeah. And then after I look at the two stars, and then I'll, I'll ask them, I'll say, what didn't you like about this if I like it? Yeah. You know, like I'll see one, I'll be like, oh, that's a really good one. Why is it here? And I'll just say, why don't you like this one? It'll be, you know, it could be anything. It could be like, oh, well, you know, my shirt's wrinkle, you know, whatever. It could be something that you could easily retouch out, or it could be something as simple as, you know, they don't like the 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 uh, the, the side of their face, right? Or whatever, yeah, you can yeah. start to figure that out. Um, so yeah, that's important, right? You want to know why they don't like the ones they don't like. And also, as much as you want to know what they like, you want to know why they don't like what they don't like, because it might not be what you think. Yes. Like, I might look at it and go, oh, they don't like that because of the side of their face, but they might say, oh, no, I don't like that because something else, but my hair is weird. Yeah, yeah. Something that, you know. yeah exactly. Yeah. So and yeah, of course, it's, it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, it might be something with the clothing. And like you said, you know, it, you might know, well, this is easy to, to you know, yeah, exactly. like, oh, I've got flyaway hair sets, but I don't like channels. So they're not yeah. going to be in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. Exactly. Because they're not seeing that there, there are certain things that you know that you could, you could, you could fix. Or like maybe they have a blemish on that side of their face and that's something you could fix. And, yeah. you know, they're overly aware of it. I mean, I usually, obviously, you tell them, man, it's like, don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll even like quickly make it disappear, you know, you know, be like, look, boom, it goes, you know, goes away with a healing brush, whatever. So there you go. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I think that's important, though, getting somebody to feel comfortable and knowing why they like a shot is, like, the key to portrait photography to me. Yeah. Although there's that level beyond, that's like the portrait when somebody's hiring you, where, um, I don't know where I read this, but uh, maybe it's a myth, right? Everything's a myth now we find out when we're online, but uh, that uh, Richard Avedon used to uh, feel like he was really successful if when somebody left the studio and they didn't like the photo. Uh, because almost always they would love it like a week later because huh. it was really showing something true about them that they kind of didn't want to put out there, you know, like, cause there were a lot of celebrities, right? So he would shoot these people and they'd be like, Oh, you know, but they wouldn't tell him of course, cause you know, nobody's going to tell Richard Avedon, no, it's no good. Right. And then uh, later they come back and he would have people come to him and be like, I really love that shot, but I didn't like it when you shot it because it revealed something about me that, that I didn't really see in myself. And I think that's like next level portrait stuff. Uh, you know, that that you're striving for. And, and you can get that if you, I mean, he would get it with people he just met, obviously, because he's, I don't know, but like, uh, you know, when you photograph somebody a lot, like I, you can get them to to break out of their shell and do something they normally wouldn't like about, the, you know, in a portrait. And then it, it actually becomes almost like a, it, it frees them up. So the portraiture can do that. And I think it's really an interesting, like next level step, but certainly not in a corporate headshot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. want them to like those pictures so yeah i think it's important to know like why somebody doesn't like something and, and to, to capture that like, like to photograph somebody who let's say is uh, obsessive about their beauty and but to show this the, the flaws you know i think it's a really interesting thing and have them embrace that in a portrait uh can be a really really powerful it's just that getting them to do it is part of the 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 psychology of the, the the part of being a per a people photographer right where you get somebody to feel comfortable enough to to reveal that for you to share that with you i guess is maybe that's why i said yeah do you guys think that it, that's something that could take several sessions with someone to really get to that that level or do you think there's a way to get that in a couple of three hours i think that's possible i mean it's i know sorry <laughs> sorry my stepson is trying to call me <laughs> and i know exactly what that's about can you pick me up from the station? Because it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. I'm kind of busy. <laughs> um, when you get to the point where you've shot with somebody several times, I think the more often you shoot with somebody and, and the, the more you get to know somebody, the more you let, you know, th these inhibitions fall away mm, in a way. Yeah. And the more you get to the actual core of it. Um, but that's, that's, not too dissimilar from how things work in real life, if you think about yeah. it. You know, when, when, when you meet somebody, you're not like on the, at the first meeting. I mean, it's a bit like going, going on dates, right? I mean, it's like, like the first date, you're not, you're not going to go all in on the first date, right? You're going to get to know somebody, you know, you, you have like casual conversation, blah, blah. It's maybe on the third date that you, you know, pick up the courage to take it a little bit further. And that's exactly the same thing. Good man, it was like the sixth date for us. That's terrible. You <laughs> <are> bad. <laughs> oh, hang on. This is episode 61. <laughs> this is the 61st date for us. 61st date, you're starting out now. Jesus. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're on the call yeah. already. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I do think, though, that uh, the longer you're, you photograph somebody, the more... Uh, more depth you can get in the portrait, but but I do think it can happen when you just first meet somebody, because okay. uh, maybe you're grabbing something that they you don't know that they're holding back, but you see it, and yeah. somehow in that moment you create that connection, um, which is interesting. You know, I used to <laughs> I used to do you have Craigslist? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Not. Okay, 
so I used to go on Craigslist, which is like total creep uh, place now, but it used to not be. Um, I don't know if it's creepy there, but it's like, you know, total creep. And I would like sometimes just be like, it'd be like a Friday morning and I'd be like, I just want to photograph something, somebody. And I would just put a post. I'd be like, you know, commercial photographer with studio in Manhattan. I'm looking to photograph somebody, you know, not a model, not an actor. You just have always wanted to be photographed. And I put that up there, you know, every once in a while and usually nobody, but every once in a while somebody would answer. And I've gotten some really great portraits that way from somebody that just in that day looked at this thing in the morning and said, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to go to the studio and be photographed. And uh, it's really interesting. And I think I, I've gotten some really great portraits that way. And I didn't know the people and like we only shot once usually. And it was really cool. But and those are special times. Like that doesn't happen that often. And kids stay off Craigslist. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that actually, because I just recently, a few days ago, I did uh, something not too dissimilar um, to that. Only I used Facebook instead of um, instead of Craigslist. And um, so the idea was, um, I started a photo project back in 2019, uh, or late back in late 2019, uh, which I called Three Heads in a Row. It's basically three images. It's because in, sorry, because Instagram is, you know, you've got three rows essentially. And so um, it's like a triptych, three images of a person um, interacting with an object. Um, and these three images fit together somehow. And so they build one row in on Instagram. And so I call it three heads in a row. Check it out. Anyway, so um, so the idea was basically, I'm sitting opposite somebody, you know, uh, maybe like one and a half yards, maybe something. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that is in inches. Okay, let's be European. About a meter and a half. <laughs> you know? A meter and a half. Daniel's like, what's a meter? Sorry, yards has really just thrown me there. I've never heard you use yards. I use yards all the time. I'm, just, I'm not sure about inches, that's all. <laughs> well, that'd be a lot. Well, a meter's 39 inches, right? So. What well, is the, the beauty like about three feet? What well, it's feet. Yeah, foot. Oh, wow. God, three another feet. one, feet. Okay, yeah, about three feet. So I'm sitting you know, like opposite somebody. Um, and of course, during, uh, during COVID, that wasn't really the done thing, right? So I had to stop shooting this um, through our COVID. And now, now that things are going back to, you know, now that things are easing up over here in the UK, I'm sort of, I'm hell bent on continuing that project. And it's just a personal project. It's fun, um, you know, and, uh, and I needed to get, you know, warm blood in front of the lens, essentially. And so I just put a post on, on Facebook to say, you know, if anybody wants to take part in it, you know, hit me up and you know, we'll arrange something and we can get, get going with that. And I had lots of people. It's lots of people um, wanting to get involved, which is really cool. Yeah. You know, and yeah. there it's not about shooting models or anything like that. It's about um, right. shooting characters, you know, shooting like um, interesting people. And th the thing there is, the, the idea is, is that they pick three objects that mean something to them, right? So there could be personal objects or it could be things that, that relate to that job or it could be anything that they hold dear or that means a lot to them. And then throughout the conversation that we have across the table, um, I shoot them interacting with this with this object, right? And so over the whole space of a couple of hours, you know, we get to know each other, we have a really good conversation, and they lose their inhibitions. And so the images, get, I can push them further and further until we get to the point where these images start to look hilarious and funny and way over the top sometimes, but they just... Yeah, they, they just come out of their shell a little bit. And that's mm -hmm. the end result is these three images that we get out of the session. Um, and it's, A, for me, it's really interesting because, um, 
because of the stories attached to these these objects, you know, because I get them to talk about why they chose this object, what it means to them, and blah, blah, blah. And it's been really interesting to get to hear people's stories, you know. Um, and of course, they get some really funny pictures out of it. I'm going to see. That's the other thing. Um, but yeah, so not too dissimilar for me, you know, hitting up Craigslist. Yeah. Um, I'll put this on Facebook and, no. and work well. I like that too. And, and I like the idea that you're, you're, you're digging into like a story because I think that's where, where portrait, portrait becomes very strong is when you're actually looking at uh, the person, not just their physicality, but what, what makes them up as a person or, you know, whatever that might be. And, and you know, and, and, and deeper than surface level, you know, not yeah. you're a photographer, so I'm take a picture of you holding a camera, but something more than that, you know, uh, be, I remember in college, we had to do that. We had to make a self-portrait and we weren't allowed to, because everybody's a photographer. So it's like, you can't take a picture of yourself with a camera. <laughs> you know, and it was like, well, what, what do you do? We're all, we all identify as photographers, you know? So, and you learned uh, about people, like something you maybe didn't know about people in your class, because now you saw somebody, whatever they were, I, a long time ago, I don't remember what people did, but like fishing or something, right? And it's like, well, I didn't know that you fished because people put forward what they want to show, but maybe, uh, you know, interacting with, if you had to give, if I had to pick three objects, right? It might be something that you wouldn't have expected me to have, you know? So I, I really like that. That's a really uh, great idea. Yeah. It, it's finding cool. out what they, those two or three things are that someone would perhaps do at home on their own, would go out and do right. on their, their own, you know, they're, they're the things that people don't necessarily show well some some of those you, you know you'd be there with a puzzle wouldn't you <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> but you know i mean some, some of those i remember like one particular uh subject um pete he um he was uh it was really interesting to shoot him because he was a he was he was a a real guitar hero back in the, back in the 80s and 90s he used to be the lead guitarist for a band called asia and oh, okay. uh, yeah so i mean you know Bonafide guitar hero, and um, incidentally, one of my teachers at college. But he, in the early two thousands, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and as a consequence, had to stop playing. And he then uh, went into academia and um, uh, and became a professor and uh, for I think it's the history of science or something like that. Um, he wrote several books, and of course the the. The problem was that because of his disease, he he lost his um, ability to handwrite or write by hand really early on, and relies on technology and all the rest of it, and of course lots of medication. And so he picked three objects. Uh, one was a pen, the other one was his laptop, and the third one was his uh, his box, his like pill box, you know, with his medication. And of course he picked the pen because this is like a reminder of an ability that he's lost, and yet it it makes like writing is his main income and livelihood and so th that pen means a lot to him because it's something that he earns his living with but he can't actually do he can't actually write by hand and the laptop of course um so signifies the fact that this is the only way he can communicate with the world in a sense is, is through technology and through through his laptop and that's you know his whole like his whole livelihood is is based on this on this one piece of technology and then of course the the box of pills is basically that without his medication he wouldn't be around anymore as simple as that you know he'd be dead by now if it wasn't for that and so you know you get in you get an insight into somebody's life whilst you're shooting the session which is you know um which is really which, which is really quite remarkable but then at the same time of course these three objects really um personify who you know who that person is 
in a way. So it's it's an interesting I don't know, it's just an interesting interesting thing to learn about people and have have these conversations. And not a guitar in sight. And not a guitar in sight, exactly. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because and, and I you think of the pen, right? Because even if he's not using it, like that's such a if you thought of writing, right, even though we probably mostly write like uh, with keyboards these days or on your, your iPad or something, I think people would think of a pen as, a, as something to symbolize that. So it's, a, it's a really interesting, even though he's not able to use it, it's such a strong connection to that, mm-hmm. the physicality of it. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, I could see not uh, not having the guitar, you know, especially if it's something that he did in the past, because you, you sometimes there's, there's stages in your life, right? Like, yep. and, and if you've moved yep. on, it's not that you should... Uh, forget about what you did, but you can't linger either, right? So, yeah, yeah. It, it, I think that's uh, that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like a, a chapter that you know. You, sometimes yeah. you have to close a chapter in order to open a new one. I think that's the that's the thing, right? Yeah, and that's hard to do. You know, it's hard to let go of what's there. So it's 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 kind of good that. It seems like he probably has. I mean, I'm psychoanalyzing somebody I've never met. <laughs> That's pretty good. Like, I wouldn't have... We go to his house, it's all covered with guitars. <laughs> I didn't want to show this. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and what's funny about it is the very first thing. So um, the very first thing that a lot of people might think of is exactly that, right? If you were said, oh, I have to photograph this this this, this gentleman, Pete, and he was a, uh, a guitar, you know, in Asia, and you would probably be like, oh, I want to photograph him with a guitar, yeah. you know, and that's probably the furthest thing from what he actually wants, right, clearly yeah. in this case. So it's, it's really interesting as photographers how we can sometimes slip into that. Uh, I remember... Um, this is a while ago now, but I, I photographed a, a, a rapper, Wiz Khalifa, and he's like known for like having covered in tattoos. And he's like, uh, so every shot of him, because you, before you go and photograph somebody, you, uh, you, you see what's out there, right? And every shot of him is him like flexing, covered in tattoos or whatever. And he showed up at the studio and he was like, uh, in some kind of cool clothes or whatever. And, and like the, there was like a, a producer there and he's like, oh, we're going to shoot with this his shirt off. And I could see, that it didn't seem like that's what he wanted to do. Like, I kind of, kind of see he was just like, you know, he did like one of those things. Like, and I was like, you don't want to shoot with your shirt off? He's like, no, nah, I always do that. I'm like, all right, we won't. And I shot him for the magazine with without that. You know, I shot him in his clothes that he wanted to wear because everybody photographs him for the tattoos. And he didn't want that, you know? And sometimes you have to see beyond that and not to... Uh, and and do something different, you know, to make the the subject more comfortable. And because of that, I think we got a really good shoot. Where otherwise, he probably would have done the same picture they did for everybody else when they tell him to take his shirt off. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting, right? As photographers, so we can find something different if we uh, listen to our subject and listen. Sometimes is is watching, right? Mm-hmm. So. That's hard to do, isn't it? And I don't think many 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 people necessarily necessarily do that. And if you if you for whatever reason don't have or don't yet have the ability to notice those kind of things about people because that's not easy to do so it is a skill um ask <laughs> yeah, open your mouth <laughs> speak to them ask them yeah. don't don't hold them at an arm's length somewhere just speak to them find out what they want what they're looking for from this it's so important yeah. and so rarely done yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of times when we're we're doing a portrait, especially like a more of a com- commercial portrait, we we have ideas, right? Because you don't want to just, you know, especially if it's you're being hired by a client, you don't want to be like, oh, I'll figure it out when I get there, you know. So you want to have like these ideas, like this is kind of what I'm going to do, this is what I'm thinking, and and a lot of times you haven't actually interacted with the subject yet. You're just talking to producers and stuff, so you don't really know what they want, and you already have these ideas, so. 
you have to be ready to throw all that away if the subject doesn't want that, you know, because I think you'll really get something better if that's the case. And it's, it's, it's hard to do sometimes, but yeah, like I say, you got to talk to them. Yeah. And that's why I always try to talk to people first. I learned that from being a photo assistant, going back to that. Like I worked for this guy, uh, Andrew Kaufman, and he photographed a lot of people. We, uh, uh, we worked for like Newsweek and Time and stuff, and we would fly all over the place photographing people. And uh, he was just great like that. He would do a little research on them, and then as soon as he met him, he'd be like, "Oh, blah blah, it's such that you did this, you did, you know." He would know something about him, and he could just get them talking about things, and that got people really comfortable and to willing to do the things he, you know, he wanted to suggest, basically. Yeah. So good tip, kids. <laughs> So that's research. two tips for kids so far. <laughs> yeah. Stay off Craigslist, do your research. <laughs> and also, if you talk to them first, you can charge more. Exactly. Like it. <laughs> like it. Absolutely. Took an evil so route much. there. I like yeah, it. Yeah, not bad. Right. Not bad. Um, not bad. <laughs> yeah. So how did you, um, you know, when you first got into photography, how did you know from the beginning that so portrait photography or people photography, if you want, was going to be the thing that attracted you to photography or took it, did it take some time for you to uh, figure that out? No, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I think I got into photography to interact with people. You know, I was very uh, shy when I was younger. I still am on some level, but you might not see that, but you know, you got to turn it on. Uh, and I got a camera and it just allowed me to say, Hey, let me take your picture. And it was a way I could like approach somebody, hmm. um, so right away, I was photographing people from the very beginning. That was what I did, really. Yeah. Um, then I wanted to do fashion, which I did for a long time uh, because I just thought it was kind of cool. And I, I really was into the idea of fashion, the 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 idea of like the the culture of it, like kind of how how it works, how it changes, like how important it is, but yet we don't see it a lot of times. It's just there, mm-hmm. uh, you know. How kind of like how people dress and how they interact with things and how that kind of society sees it and stuff. I thought it was really interesting. And I think if you want to get into fashion photography, you should be into that part of it and not into the girls. Like, I think a lot of people want to just photograph beautiful women and that's why they, but that's not what it's, I mean, you do obviously photograph beautiful women and men, but uh, it's really about a lifestyle and, and you have to kind of be on it. Uh, it's it's part of what you do. So I was very into it. Like I would watch trends coming and, you know, and that's the cool stuff, right? When you photograph something in a way and people are like, Oh, nobody's doing that. And then six months later, everybody's doing it. It's like, hmm. yes, <laughs> you know, that's where you want to be. And that was a challenge. It was super fun. But then I realized that I liked the people more, you know, and that's how I decided to shift and bore into portraits uh, from there. So, yeah, but always, always people. I mean, I shot a lot of product photography. I was, I was very uh, lucky that I worked for a lot of photographers that did a ton of different things. News photographers, corporate portrait, product, you know, like all the food all kinds of stuff and i learned and i didn't want to do it but i needed the money because <laughs> i just got you know, i had to work so it was like oh you got to photograph this still life today all right i'll take the money and i'll work for you but you learn so much you know working for different types of photographers and how they operate and um so i definitely recommend that even if you want to do something very strongly to try other things yeah you'll take a little bit of every single photographer that you've worked with a little bit of every style of photography that's being done there and you'll take it into your own every time yeah every single time how um how are you with um fashion? I'm very fashionable. As long as it's denim. As long as it's denim, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> denim or Star Wars prints? 
Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, that, that seems right. Yeah. Right? As long as it's right for you. Yeah. As long as it's right for you. You've, um, you've done some products recently, haven't you? I'm still doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. I mean, product photography is not really what I do at all. Um, and so it's been a bit of a learning curve. But, you know, COVID is what it is. And you have to take jobs when they present themselves, I think, you know, is the answer. And so, um, yeah, so I'm shooting shampoo bars. Egg, egg whites on women, as I understand it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, so okay. So this is actually this is a this is fun. This is the part I, I thought was uh, was actually quite fun because I have a thing about special effects. Um, I love special effects, and um, and so, um, so I'm shooting these. Um, it's a it's a startup company, and they they produce uh, shampoo bars. So rather than you know liquid shampoos, they're like like almost like soap bars, but they're it's shampoo and conditioner and everything. Um, the idea is because it's not liquid, it's easier to travel with, and they're all natural and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and it's a startup company, and uh, you know they asked me whether I could shoot their products, and I said yes, why not? Because I didn't really have that much else to do at the time. Um, and uh, and I also thought it'd be an interesting little challenge because you know well like a challenge, and I'm not the greatest product photographer in the world, but that was a good opportunity to just you know get stuck in and figure it out basically. Um, but some of the uh, some of the shots they wanted were basically like some of the bars also double as as kind of body wash type of things, and so they wanted a shot that uh, that signifies that, uh, preferably with a model holding you know holding the bar against the torso or in some form and whatever. And so I had a lot of fun figuring out how to create uh, foam that looks like soap foam, but that isn't and that stays in place. Right, just wanted. blaze. That's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> the problem exactly. And so I found that, uh, yeah, uh, beating egg whites to to a very precise point does the trick. <laughs> but I love the whole painting. I, I love the whole painting the painting the egg whites on the model part. That was awesome. <laughs> no, I mean it, you know because it's I mean yeah. you know because it does take a certain person to a to let to let somebody do that to you and also to you know. To um to endure that for a certain amount of time, mm. it was really fun. Yeah, it was actually fun, mm. and the, the end result was good. Was How really long good. did that take in the end? The whole thing probably just take took about an hour, I guess. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. It was only one setup as well. Mm. So, um, no. How many eggs did you go through? Maybe ten, I think, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it's basically the problem. The problem was is that is that you need you basically need the consistency to be such that it stays in place and doesn't run off. But you also need, you do need a liquid component in the whole mm -hmm. thing because it also, because when you have foam, like soap foam, there's also a water component in there in order mm -hmm. to make it look realistic. Otherwise it doesn't look realistic, right? So if you think about it, you know, you have foam and then you always have some water runoff there as well. And so it was about, it was actually more, the experimental part was, was actually more about getting the consistency right. So that was, right. that it was just at the right point where you could use it. So how long did you end up whisking for? And they were just egg whites, you said, right? Yeah, they were, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it took... yolks. And... <laughs> no yolks. <laughs> no yolks. <laughs> you definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it took, you know, it took, I mean, to be honest, um, actually figuring out what the right consistency was, in a sense, was that was, that took the longest. Yeah, the shoot itself, you know, that. was more like posing. Actually, it was really just posing the hand. And that's really interesting. And I think also probably surprising for people that are listening, maybe that don't 
work on commercial sets because a lot of times the actual photo shoot is not the longest part. It's all the other stuff, the the prepping, the figuring out the consistency in your this case or, you know, makeup if it's a beauty thing or if it's, you know, some kind of product photography, moving things around, switching things out, the props. All that is actually much more work than the actual photo. The photo exactly. is actually kind of the, the fast part. <laughs> yeah. We, we, was, we yeah. were saying this a, f- a few weeks ago. There was, a, a, I can't remember who it was. Um, there was a crack, cracking port- beauty portrait um, that just cropped up with with someone we know. And it's all elaborate, lots of makeup and all of that, that usual kind of jazz. And it, we actually looked at it, didn't we? we went, That's stunning. What a great photo. And then we looked at it and thought, take all the makeup away. Take the headdress away and things that were there. What are you left with? A couple of decent lights on there. Well-positioned lights. All right. That's not all that difficult to do, technically. It's all quite straightforward. But when you add in that additional element of all of that makeup and what that person ultimately looks like in that shot, it takes on – that's when it it starts lifting to a whole new level. I mean, we we say this all the time – so what, one of the things I like doing is uh, environmental portraits. So where you have, you know, you have a you have a subject in a particular situation, um, because I do like fiddling around with sets and props and you know and and building these things and um, you know just creating the story around the subject basically. Um, and this you know we say this all the time. I mean, pe- people are always surprised um, how how quick the actual shooting portion is. Mm when it takes hours and hours and hours to build the set and put everything together and fiddle around and move one thing like half an inch this way and half an inch the other way and you know until everything's perfect but once everything's perfect and you get to the actual shooting part it's over in 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no it's, it's true that's it that's it all the tests to build up and that's what the tests are for right the tests are so that the subject doesn't have to endure that so uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's funny though you talk about like removing the stuff because then the other so my other kind of besides the revealing portrait that I was talking about earlier, the other thing is this idea that you could take this really simple shot and make it really powerful without the makeup and the the all this if you can draw from your subject something because you sometimes see these pictures you see a lot of them where somebody's just it's a simple shot and they're just like looking at the camera and it's really just like okay, and then you see some where you're just like wow. And it usually comes down to just like the slight expression in the eyes and how it's pulled. And like to be able to actually pull that out of somebody or rather uh, uh, put them in the position where they will give that to you is is like something that that, that does take something, right? There is something there beyond the uh, the makeup and stuff. So because uh, you've seen, you know, I'm sure you've seen plenty of these like really clean, simple beauty shots that have nothing and they're just amazing. And then somebody replicates the lighting and it's like, well, okay. because there is that thing right where you're like this connection so uh it's almost like the more you strip away the uh, the harder it becomes to to make this like really special shot but when you do nail it it's like wow okay there it is you know yeah Um, and i think you can overdo it as well like i think people overdo things all the time makeup artists do that all the time so my pet peeve is that makeup artists usually put way too much makeup when it's not needed you know it's like they start doing this makeup and they can't stop and then the person comes out and they're just like why, why they have so much makeup? <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, why did you make them look like a clown? They don't, they don't normally yeah. look like that in life. You know, it's like, so. Makeup artist, can I take fine. your trowel away, please? Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh, you really need to do that much makeup. You know, they're, they're wearing a simple, you know, yeah. clothing and you have this like glamour makeup, like they should be in a, you know, you know, some kind of gown, but. 
So that, but you know, that comes to managing, right? A big part of being a photographer commercially is managing a crew and like uh, having um, controlling it, the kind of boss, being the boss, I just wanted to say. Like uh, one thing I loved at first and then didn't like later on about doing like the catalog shoots was that exactly that the photos were nothing like everything else was like me running around organizing the prop builders and getting the, the catering getting all the assistance in this and, and you, you just then it's like oh gotta shoot blah, blah, okay next you know it was like it became this production which is really awesome when you just see like all the you know, sets being built around you and stuff but after a while it's like well i'm not really shooting anymore you know like creatively so sometimes it's nice just to grab the model and like go into an alley somewhere and shoot with the light that's bouncing off a building and just create something really raw and yeah. simple i used to work for amazon right and I'm not going to get into all that again right now, know. but um, <laughs> at one point I visited their, um, uh, I don't think I've told you this before, actually. Uh, I visited their photo studios um, for where they photograph all the, basically product for Amazon, but primarily for the Amazon fashion um, sort of side of things. And so went there and, you know, they were in the middle of a shoot at that time. And I thought, okay, I'm just looking around at the time. Uh, at that point, I wasn't totally au fait with what was going on and you know the technical aspects of things oh, right at that you, moment did you say au fait i did <laughs> i did au fait that's right that's right, right. look it up write <laughs> <laughs> that down <laughs> and um but I, I remember thinking to myself oh, okay so you bring them in take a shot turn them around take a shot take turn around take another shot redo that one redo that and they're gone and someone else walks in some other clothing. I was already bored by that point, yeah. you know. And the, these guys, I think, oh yeah, I'd love to shoot for. A no, why? Why would? Why? Why would you want to do that? All they've done, yeah. they set, they've literally set up a conveyor belt. In exactly this, nothing changes at any point. It's all fixed. Nothing, nothing changes. They walk them in, they set up, and they shoot. And it's only now I, I remember. Um, I. I remember what you said to me just oh, not that long ago about school photographers. Yeah. You know, that, you know, there's photographers that can that often go into schools and take, you know, school portraits and the, you know, the the year, you know, by year group and the whole school and that kind of stuff. Mm. That certainly over here, most of them just get trained to go right, set it to this, yeah, put that days. there, it's and two, yes. and take that shot. Mm. Not knocking those people to do that in any stretch. It's not what I would want to do because I'd be really, really bored. That's how the Amazon studio, fashion studios seemed. Mm. I'm sure there's a lot more to those guys and I'd love to go back today. Yeah, I think that ultimately you, um, we've seen this crop up and I mean, obviously Amazon's a big example of it, but I, I even like, uh, I would say 10, 15 years ago, I, I was I went to the studio down in, in New Jersey, so pretty close where they were doing exactly the same thing, but for brands that they put on their own websites, like Calvin Klein and the stuff. And it was like, right. oh, we need a photographer to shoot Calvin Klein. And I went down there and it was like literally just a big warehouse where it was already set up and on white. And it was like, huh? <laughs> you know, and I gave me the contract to me. So I went in for the day and I was just like, okay. You know, I was like, this is not you know and i'm like but i think this is going to be the future because it's cheaper for companies you know everything's yeah. on the web uh you know it used to be used to be i'll be the old man right like i lived in miami for a long time which was like a uh, location you know people would come down to shoot because they'd want to shoot this stuff on location in miami in cool places and now people want it on white because it's all on the web you know it's not being yeah. printed in these uh, beautiful catalogs anymore so now you have uh probably more photography being done but it's all on white so it's kind of simple stuff uh, and then for the bigger shots, they they spend money. So 
yeah. probably for the cover, right? They go somewhere and yeah. I'd be curious. Well, there's no cover on Amazon, but probably for like the cover of the whatever the the what you call that the the bar picture they put across the top. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. that might have something more elaborate. Yeah, yeah. And um, they they you know Amazon had the biggest problem for the longest time um, with their clothing lines and not not doing very well basically because of how it was being presented online. And you know what it's like. Well, maybe not, maybe not UK, but uh, <laughs> do they say denim? So I need to know. <laughs> but buying clothes online is really difficult because um, it's a physical thing. It's not like buying a piece of tech or a notepad or something like that. You pretty much know exactly what you're going to get with that. But clothing, it's very, very particular to the person in the way it looks, the way it feels, and in particular, the way it fits. Is it? Yes, yes, for most people, okay, yes, most people. <laughs> but you can't, that's very difficult to portray online, and Amazon got it wrong for the longest, longest time until they started looking at what other companies were doing who were apparently being quite successful with it, and they took that and tried to start running with it. But anyway, there you go. That's my Amazon bashing for the day. It's, it, it's interesting. I actually didn't know that Amazon had their own line of clothing. So now I've learned something. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure if it's wow. actually their own line of clothing oh. as such. Um, certainly they, they'd have orange on it, wouldn't they? Well, I'm just, their Amazon basics, wouldn't they? Yeah. I think they distribute. Well, I, I think they do have Amazon basic clothing. I'm Did not I? sure. But, oh, they might, yeah. But it certainly distribute brands that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that's for sure. But they, they do the photography for it rather than having photographs come from the brands themselves. So stuff right. that, that makes selling. sense. Yeah, yeah so it's, again, it's cheaper. It's, just a, it's similar to what I was talking about. It's a really interesting uh, business model. It definitely changes the dynamic. Yeah, It makes photography cheaper so that you can have more of it. So I guess that works. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, for what they were paying, it wasn't like it was terrible money, but I just I, I worked for one day there and I was like, I can't. Yeah, I'm like I just I can't uh, do this because this is just terrible, boring. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you know, whatever. It is what it is. Everybody's likes different things. You know. Mm. Totally. So, what's your main focus um, at the moment? Uh, because I know you know your your studio is in the in the middle of Manhattan, which must be excruciatingly expensive. I'm just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not inexpensive. Yeah, well, I mean, what we do now is, um, so when I first got in that studio, which was probably like 12 years ago, uh, it was my, so Paul, uh, my studio mate, um, he's a food photographer primarily. Uh, he, and he, he and another guy were sharing it, who was an architectural photographer. So neither one shot there. So they brought me in. So there was just three of us. So there was, you know, we were always splitting the, splitting the rent from the beginning. And, uh, but then over time, because I started doing more stuff with that Arama and I wasn't there all the time, we brought in more people. So we actually have five people and we have a Google calendar. So it's not bad. I mean, we split the rent. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, I mean, I, I primarily now produce videos out of there. I don't shoot as much as I used to, uh, don't really, I mean, COVID obviously put a big dent in that. Um, a lot of times too, if somebody comes through with a project because I, produce videos, I might even say to them, Hey, okay, I'll do your project. Can I make a video from it? And, you know, I'll give you a discount or do it for free or depending on what it is. Uh, so I don't do so much commercial photography as I used to, uh, only once in a while, if something comes up a client or whatever, I'll, I'll shoot something, but, uh, you know, which is kind of freeing cause I can shoot what I want, you know, mm -hmm. as long as I'm, uh, producing the content, 
it's a very it's a very different um, way of working because I was always an assign what I was called an assignment photographer. Like I never went out and just shot stock. Let's say when people were doing that early, uh, I was always like somebody would call me and I would go do a job that they hired me for that I bid on. Now I do a lot more stuff where I produce my own work and uh, you know uh, put it out there and that's it. So it's pretty cool. I mean, I'm pretty happy with, with, with where I'm at right now. We'll see. I mean, yes, the Manhattan studio is not cheap, but you know, I would have to change the opening call my videos if I didn't have studio Manhattan. So I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once you have that tagline, you got to keep it there. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. But I guess, yeah. I mean, that the ability to produce videos actually, you know, especially mm -hmm. during COVID that must've been such a massive advantage for you oh, because yeah. it, it essentially meant that it meant that you could carry on working despite the fact that everything was shutting down, right? Yeah, I was very lucky. I I, I did not really. I mean, yes, there was photo shoots that I that I could have done that that I didn't do, and there was conventions I was supposed to teach at. But for the most part, my primary income, which is doing the videos for Adorama and for my channel, that did not get a dent from COVID. So I was I was very lucky. So I think yeah. I think what the last eighteen months has hopefully taught many you know, freelancers in, in, in particular, that actually having multiple different types of income stream is, 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 is a positive thing to do. Um, you know, had you not been involved with doing Adorama and the, the videos that you do, um, you may well have been there with very, very little to have been, you know, to providing some kind of income over the last 18 months. And most people were in that situation, right? Um, but, you know, you've had the foresight over the years to have different areas of income that you can pull on. And it, it's just more important than ever now, more important than ever. You know, I, I lost the majority of my income over over uh, COVID, but I had some other em employed work that I do with teaching that, Frank, just it, it paid for some, something every month and not a huge amount, <laughs> yes. but it was something that was yeah. always coming in. Right. And yeah. you know, I set that set out with that belief when I, when I started doing that, that was, that was the right thing for me to do at this stage. And I'm God, I'm thankful that I did very, very fast. Yeah. Although it meant that I'd got no support from the government. Yeah. That was a bit of a weird one over here. Yes. Everyone else got support yeah. from the government. I didn't. Yeah. Not bitter about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, some of the guys I share my space with that were like, you know, the shoot like uh, portraits for LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. Like they, yeah, they they were hurting a lot, you know? Yeah. Because obviously they have the overhead of the studio and no work coming in. We couldn't, you couldn't work. You weren't really allowed to, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, but uh, that's cleaned we, up. We could, we could have sat there and wallowed in it. And yeah, and we probably mm -hmm. did for a short time. But um, yeah, about three weeks. Give it, give us three or four weeks. We picked ourselves <laughs> up. Thought, right, sod this. I'm not going to sit here and let this make us just miserable and broke. We're going to go broke anyway. But let's do something positive about it and build ourselves back for when we are allowed to get back out there. That's exactly what we've tried to do, right? And mm. it's to do things that are positive and move towards future. No, I think that's that's the right way to be always you know and, and i think you're right you need to diversify and that's something i never did when i was uh younger so do it now kids c3 for the kids we're, we're oh, that's great. look at that yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean this is of course a long time ago now almost i guess 20 years ago now uh but uh when the the terrorist attack happened in 9-11 uh, i was living in florida and 
like I, that day, I mean, people lost a lot, obviously way more than me. I'm not going to try that, but I mean, I lost everything in as far as work because all my work was involved traveling and people coming to Miami to shoot catalogs. Huh. So like I had like 60, $70,000 worth of jobs lined up that just all got canceled. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just like, and nobody traveled for, I don't know, a year. Like people just stopped going there. It, it, and that made me realize, oh yeah, like if my whole income, even if it's a good income is just based on this, I'm going to be in trouble, you know? So yeah. Uh, yeah, that definitely taught me to, I scrambled of course, and I started shooting other things like, and I just switched up. I started doing portraits and stuff locally, which is another reason why I did portraits. And, uh, you know, made it obviously, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> so, yeah. but that's what happens, right? Uh, you, uh, Sometimes something needs to hit you where you realize, oh, okay, I better be diverse. Because uh, a lot of times we don't think about that. Because you do want to be, it's hard because when you're trying to make it as a photographer or a filmmaker, you you need to be single-minded, right? It, you have to focus on it so much because it's not easy. But you also have to think about more than just that. And I think diversifying within the industry is the smart way. Versus, you know, what, what, your, what your dad will tell you, which is like, you know, good get a business degree just in case you want to go work in an office. It's like, no, no. what can I do that? <laughs> but I can do this, you know, I can make a podcast or I can do videos on YouTube or I can, you know, whatever, teach people however you want to do it. You know? yeah. Don't work in an office, kids. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> go, go, if you want to do that, go do that. Wow. That's, that's your dream job. <laughs> yeah. so, go and do that, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I loved it for the longest well, time. Like but... <laughs> Somebody <laughs> asked you, right? Well, love, love is a very strong word for it. Yeah, it's kind of a loose definition, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I accepted it and enjoyed it at times for long. I met a lot of great people working there. That's what I love most about it. Really? The people that I met, some, you know, many of them today I still know and talk to regularly. Loved it. Made a lot of good friends there. There's positive things. Yeah, yeah I, I always just kind of thought the idea either working like, you know, most of the year and then having a couple weeks vacation to do what you want was kind of weird. So like, I just figured I would, even if I didn't make as much money, I would just always do what I wanted to do always. And yeah. that's why I think you're working for yourself. I mean, it's work, but you know, I, I do what I want to do, you know? Yeah. So that's in the end matters. Now, when I'm living in the street, <laughs> you guys see me, <laughs> throw me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just go on Craigslist and there might be a, a little note from us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm definitely going to go on Craigslist. Oh, man. Yeah. But no, I think it's important to not, and right, you know, we don't want to just people that work in office. Obviously, working in an office can be fun. And for a while, actually, um, you know, when I was at Arama, besides doing the videos, I was doing the, I was a creative director. So I was like, I had a desk and stuff. And it was fun. I mean, like you said, you meet uh, a lot of great people. You know, I interacted with tons of awesome people. And yeah, so it's good. Yeah. 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 Not as good as this, but you know. No, no, no. For us, right? Yeah, we're living the life right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing, you know, the thing is, it, it's, you know, I have, this converse, I have these conversations a lot with my kids, you know, generally, um, you know, in the sense that, you know, I'm de- they're at the point where they're going to have to make some decisions as to what they're going to do in the future. And, you know, um, I'm the last person to tell them to go, you know, to go for the safe bet, if you know what I mean. You know, because I do think, yeah, I do think you got to follow your dreams. But the one thing I I always stress is that, you know, I I, I studied music originally, and um, and I set up my first business um, when I was in my twenties. And the thing, the thing I realized very quickly was that, 
you know, knowing how to play the guitar fairly well doesn't mean that you know how to run a business at all. You know, and that's, so that's, that was a steep learning curve at the time. Um, and inevitably, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, you know, and I learned from them. And I, you know, there were several occasions where I had to pick myself back up, dust myself off, and just get on with it, you know, and overcome X amount of different problems. And in a sense, it's not too dissimilar from a photo shoot where it's the same sort of thing. You have to overcome issues all the time. You just have to press on until you get what, what you set out to get in the first place, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, but uh, you know, being an artist, and again, regardless as to whether you're an actor or a painter or a photographer or, you know, a musician or whatever it is, you know, there's always this element of like, well, you're going to have to make a living with that somehow. And that does require other skills other than just your acting skills or whatever. And, um, and so it's not a bad idea to, um, you know, enhance your knowledge in that respect, mm-hmm. you know? And- yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, and I think one of the, well, I mean, I don't know, well, the, at least the education system that I went through, you know, when, when I was in college, you could take business classes, but business classes taught you how to work in an office, you know, like they didn't teach you how to start a business. So yeah, you learned kind of accounting and stuff, but not in the way that you would need to run it for a small business. So I think what people need if they want to run a business is to do that. They need to take either like workshops or, uh, you know, uh, those kind of things on how to run a small business, not business classes in college that teach you like how to, you know, work for Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but, but if you're trying to start a business, so yeah, there's a lot of things you don't know. Right. Like I didn't know a lot. I screwed up a lot, uh, you know, early on. I probably still do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's the same, you know, when I studied music, you know, there was nothing um, that, you know, there were, there were elements that covered things like just music industry related um, subjects, but there wasn't anything that told you how to run a small business, you know, how to file your taxes, (laughs) you know, and all of the kind of stuff, the nitty gritty stuff that's actually really important, you know, when you run a small business, like how to get clients. Well, how to get clients? How to make a budget? You know. Yeah, budget. exactly. How to budget and like you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's there's so many things that you have to figure out when you're you know when you start to go into business. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether that's working with others and have you know setting up a business where you employ other people, or whether it's um, a matter of just being a sole trader, basically, you know, being self-employed and actually you know making it work that way. No, no, I think that's one reason why if you're if you're a photographer, isn't it? Uh, like, if you can be a photo assistant, that's another you can learn. You know, photographers that I worked for enough, you know, that felt comfortable talking. And not every, you know, the first day you worked for them, they started giving you business advice. But you know, they would kind of, you know, you can ask them questions like, how do you how do you do a budget? Can I see you know, one of these budgets? You know, that kind of stuff. Because you know, you know, how do you figure out like how much you should charge? Like that kind of stuff. That stuff you can't really learn in school per se, right? You got to kind of learn it in the industry, and you you make connections, you you uh, work with groups of people that are that are your peers, you know. That that's how you figure that stuff out. But of course, I didn't know that because I didn't teach us in school to do that. Yeah, yeah, time yeah, for well. to figure that out. Oh, I have to go out and you know, I read some books. I mean, there's lots of books about that kind of stuff, um, which is good. Is that we need? How much how much you should charge is probably the most elemental question when you run yes. any business. But it also the hardest one to answer for people when they ask because, like, exactly. I don't know what you should charge. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And but yeah, I mean, enough. And also, some people don't understand. Like, they'll look at it and be like, "Okay, I want to make fifty thousand dollars, so and I I can do a one photo shoot a week, so I'm gonna charge a thousand dollars a photo shoot." It's like, 
no, you're not going to make $50,000. You got insurance, you got costs, you got transportation, you got mm -hmm. studio. It's like, yeah, no, no, that is not that. <laughs> you need to take all that on top of what you want to make. You know, taxes are going to come out of that, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, yep. yeah, that's the stuff people don't think of, like that kind of stuff. And I don't feel like they, they taught us that in school. I took some business classes, but I was like, this is not teaching me what I want. So I did something else. I was like, no, <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, and I just learned by reading books and by talking to the photographers and making lots of mistakes, you know, screwing up tremendously, doing jobs where I made like almost nothing because I screwed up all the budgeting, you know, but yeah. you learn. You know? I think jobs where I've lost money. Absolutely. Ultimately, you know, yeah. but it's a learning experience. And I've yeah, you tried didn't, to not do didn't it get it quite right. <laughs> didn't get the timings right. Get whatever it might have been that caused that. Yeah. You learn from that and you won't do it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you run too close to the wire and something screws up and you have to redo something, immediately you're in the red. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that just happens. So Right. And you gotta like factor in things. Like I remember I was doing this, uh, of course I was ready for it, because uh, now I've learned. Uh, I factor in an extra ten percent whatever I would do these catalogs as as insurance. And uh they we shot this whole catalog and Two days later, when the the client was, they sent off to the the, the uh, separators. They were like, "We don't have dress number, blah blah blah. You must not have given it to us. The files, you know, it was digital." So I was like, "Went through my files, didn't have it." Turns out the stylist screwed up, right? So fashion stylist screws up, but whose fault is that, right? It's on the photographer. It's your shoot, right? So now there was a set that was built. There was big studios we shot and all these other things. It's like, it's going to cost me, you know, 10 grand to shoot one thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So luckily they were a cool regular client I always had. So we talked a bit and I, I had shot some shots of the set separately. So we, we talked, I said, I think I can shoot this model on a white background and I will actually do the retouching and drop her in. It won't be as perfect, but I'll get it as close as possible. And, you know, it's not going to cost you a penny. I'm just going to do it. Just send me the dress. And that's what we did. Like I did it in my small studio. I hired the model again, but because I had that insurance, it basically covered it. And the other three times I shot for them that they didn't use the insurance, I had put that money away for exactly this moment, you know, huh. where like, you don't just take that as, oh, it's extra profit. No, that's like the insurance for when you screw up, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it goes into a separate account for my oops. And at the end of the year, if you don't screw up at all or things don't happen, then you have that extra cash flow. Yeah. You know, which I would then use to buy equipment. That's how I kind of did it. But like, I didn't know to do that until I worked for a photographer and they wrote that on there. And I was like, oh, you charge people for that? He was like, yeah, because what if this happens? They're not going to be like, okay, we'll pay you again to shoot it. They're going to expect you to just do it, you know, or you lose that client, you know. What a cracking bit of advice right there. There you go. Really is. Are really, really here? is. And do, do, is that yes. like a line? Is, is that literally a line item to the client as yeah. well? Insurance. As insurance. Yeah, I put it on the invoice. Insurance. Yeah. Love it. Ooh. And then they ask and say, well, this ensures that the, the shoot that we get all the shots. And if something happens, that we'll overshoot if we need to. Yeah. You know, Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I it's not enough well. to, I mean, you'll still lose it if you have to reshoot the whole thing. <laughs> but, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's really specifically for something like that. Files corrupted, film gets yep. destroyed back in the day of that. Something didn't get shot. I mean, it would have been easy for me to be like, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. This thing didn't do that. And of course, the client too had their rep there who was checking off each dress as we shot it. They didn't notice it. But, you know, this client was a big source of income for me. It's like, I'm going to argue with them. No, I'm just going to shoot it and make them happy. And, you know, luckily I did those things. I shot the set with nobody on it. You know, I, I, I knew how I shot the model that I could reproduce it. You know, it's the, these are the things that you do. I drew diagrams, you know, that's the commercial aspect, right? I think so. our fees have just gone up by 10%. <laughs> hey, just drop it on the insurance. Yeah. It's such a you know, and also name. it also covers the insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I use it to pay my, to, you know, insurance as far as 
you know, uh, liability as well also, because right. usually big jobs like that fall on my liability insurance. So like if somebody falls and breaks their neck or whatever, yeah. again, yeah. they're going to sue the photographer and not the client usually mm. in that case. Not always, depends on who's hiring. Yeah. So what are your plans for the rest of 2021 and, and, uh, and the next few years? For the rest of the year, so as I mentioned, I'm doing those Friday videos. I'm going to continue the series with Marissa. Uh, my plan for 2020, which is now will be 2022, is um, we're planning on going on the road. That was a big thing. I'd already pitched to Tatarama. They seemed to have, they gave me the soft approval. Uh, basically, what I'm going to do is get in the car with uh, with Marissa probably or some other models. Maybe we'll switch it up. And I'm going to drive around to these various, uh, like all across the U.S., there's these bizarre uh, things like giant, you know, uh, dinosaurs at gas stations and things that used to be on the long, uh, like Route 66 and stuff to get people uh -huh. to stop. So there's, there's all over the country, there's these weird local things. So my plan was to go around to each of these things and do photo shoots at them uh, and kind of document it. So uh, I was going to do that in 2020. And then of course, 2020 was a thing. And then, so I figured 2022, we should be hopefully uh, all good for that. So that's my 2022 plans. 2020, I'm going to keep 2021 where we are right now. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I, I do... You know, regular video every week for every other week for Adorama on Tuesdays. Then I do my live streams twice a month for them on my channel. I'm doing those Fridays uh, short videos with the occasional longer porch video uh, and the show with Marissa. You know, uh, I don't have any like personal pro photo projects I'm working on right now, but you never know when those things are going to crap up. So mm. who knows? Are you going to come on the, are you going to travel to the EU at any point? To the UK? Yeah, I'd like well, to. Specifically yeah. to the UK. <laughs> yeah, specifically EU. to the UK. <laughs> We're just in the UAE. Well, it's not <laughs> difficult to get there. Well, that is very true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that actually was planned. I was planning on going there to, uh, I don't know if you guys know, I mean, everybody knows Gavin Hoey. You must know Gavin. Yeah. 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 So Gavin's out there and I'm like, Gavin, I'm going to come, I'm going to come bother you. So we were, we're, we're definitely going to try to come out and hang out with Gavin. He's super cool. Great guy. Um, he's out there. And also I am, uh, my family. So I'm only, I guess I'm second generation. Southwest. My parents were born here. And my other, the rest of my family is from Ireland. So I'm actually um, working on getting Irish citizenship so oh. so I can be spend more time over there. So I'll probably be uh, over end of this year, beginning of next year, yeah. So that'll be fun. Oh, wicked. All right. Yeah. Well, we know where all the person. good pubs are. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> We could, you could, does your recording system work? We'll bring it into the, the pub. And... Oh, what oh, cracking idea. Absolutely. Oh. Well, the doc, there you go. A whole, whole bunch of ideas <laughs> for videos, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute education. That's really, 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 really good tips. Um, so specifically for tips for uh, for kids, I think we said. Yes. Yeah. Craigslist. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> cool. So uh, again, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, that was Camera Shake Podcast, episode 61. And of course, before you go, I remember, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, make sure you head over to YouTube, youtube.com forward slash camera shake. Uh, check us out there where you can not only listen to our sultry voices, but also see us in full Technicolor. And remember to hit that um, follow button and uh, you know hit the bell and all of that kind of jazz. That'd be super awesome. Leave us a comment. Um, by the way, if you are listening to this podcast from South Africa, if that is you, get in touch because we really want to know, um, you know, find out where you are when you're listening to us. Um, other than that, we'll see you again next week for episode 62.